Hey, morning. Morning. How are you guys? Morning. All right. Good? Yeah. Good. So good. Let's go, Daniel. Um, gosh, well, it's good to see everybody today. Hey, Daniel. Hi, Rocky. <laughs> uh, okay, we got off to a weird start here. Go to James chapter 1. We got some stuff to do today. Um, wow. Four years. It's been here four years. I talk about that a lot. I probably talk about it too much. But one thing, um, some of you probably know, one of, my, one, of the, one of the biggest memories for me starting this church was uh, moving here from New Mexico. I, um, you know, I, I got my organ license, right? And so this is not something, some of you know where I'm going with this. Uh, this is not something you have to do because it's a college town. The cops honestly don't really, they're like, you know, whatever. It's a different state license. It's something I wanted to do. And so when I go take the test, right, because I'm like, I got this. I can drive. I drove. I drive all the time. Right, so I go take the test. Uh, you only have to take the written test. I go take the test, and I fail it. Oh, right. And so I go in pretty confident. I go in pretty confident, and you know I fail it. Um, and so at this point, I'm like, ah, second day, I got it. You know. So I go in the next morning to the DMV. It started on Monday, by the way. I go Tuesday morning to the DMV, and uh, I fail it again. All right, so I fail it first row. So at this point, I'm starting to go into panic mode. Um, so I get like all the brochures they have at the DMV, and I actually start like studying and cramming for a driving test. Uh, so here I am, all right, day three, go in. Uh, you know, I failed it again. All right, so this is day three that I failed it. Um, so like what's going on here is, is in the test. Now listen, just, just hang on a second. Um, in the test, there's like... Stuff you've never, like they ask uh, yeah, you, what, what do you do yeah. like when there's a horse in the road? And I'm like, listen to me, th there's no amount of information that I'm going to digest that's going to cause me to react differently to there being a horse in the road. Like if I see a horse in the road, I'm like, oh, you know what? I read not to run that over in the test. <laughs> it's like, it's not like, the test. listen, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so anyway, I, I, I didn't, I, the, so what happens is there's, there's questions on the test. They're not in the books. There are. Because they're monsters. <laughs> and they hate you. <laughs> and so, you know, I go online. Does anybody here work in the DMV? No. Okay, uh, so I go online. Today's your day to repent. Uh, so I go online and I get some uh, brochures of more. So I, I study again Thursday, all right? Big day. I go in. I have studied the online uh, brochures, I have studied the, the motorcycle. Uh, pamphlet. I've studied the car pamphlet. I Wikipedia horses in a horse. I didn't know. Um, but you know, I go in and Thursday. Finally, I failed it a fourth time in a row. All right. So I failed it again. Now here's this is where there's stakes on the line. Um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of stakes on the line because the fifth day. Listen, if you fail it five times in a row, you know it, it singes your brain for the rest of your life. You know you fail the driving test five times in a row. But but beyond that, right beyond the state of pride, um, Victoria's <laughs> just left. Um, anyway, so you fail it a fifth time in a row, and you have to wait like a month before you can retake it. So, yeah, it's showtime, all right? It's the my life. I, show up. Uh, I go, and I pass the test. Thank you. you guys were more excited than I was. Um, you can tell this, like, I still have the, this ID from the day they took my picture. And you can tell in the picture, I'm done. I'm just done. Why? Because I've spent every morning for a week going to the DMV for hours just to have my ego destroyed every day. Going once a year is hard enough to get right. But okay, so five days, one week. 
Um, some of you are probably questioning whether or not I can drive. Um, listen, it's just weird because like in New Mexico, it's actually the Wild West. Like people get shot in the streets. Like it's so like and I'm here anyway. It's like they, they never asked me about horses in New Mexico. It doesn't matter. Um, so in James chapter one, starting in verse two. Wow, you're gonna think I'm really shallow after this. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I have a deeper story. That was just kind of like my intro story, okay? That's not the only trial I've ever faced. Um, Though it's a notable one. Um, but, but so, okay, so something I want to do today, and I'm just going to give you my outline because I know I can tend to lose people, so I'm just giving you my outline out the gate. Um, right here in James, I want to spend some time talking about the nature of trials mm, and tests, amen. temptations. And then what I want to do is I'm going to go, we're going to go Exodus 32, not yet, I'm giving you the outline, Exodus 32, and we're going to talk about the golden calf. Mm. And we're going to see the way the Israelites responded to being led into a desert, into a place of temptation, into a place of trial. And then we're going to finish this off in Luke 4, where we look at the trial and temptation of Jesus in the desert. We want to look at how Jesus reacted to being in a desert. Now, 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 something to clarify real quick. When I use the word trial, when I use the word temptation, test, desert, these are kind of all, it's different words to describe kind of the same thing. This tough place that we can find ourselves in, in life. We can just feel like we're wandering in a desert. Like we're in a dry place where we haven't had a drink of water in a while and we're wondering if we're going to survive. Like I'm saying, we can be in this place spiritually, yes. can't we? Yes. Now, even those of us who have experienced God powerfully can find ourselves wandering in a spot where we just feel like there's no hope. Right. We just don't believe that God's actually going to come through here. Yeah. We don't think that God is powerful enough to do this. Right? We can be here, can't we? And so I think it's important to talk about but as, as we open up here in James, counting it pure joy to face trials of various kinds, this is a hard thing to do. Yeah, it is. This is a hard thing to do. And, and so here's where I think, this is what I, what I, I think it helps me and it helps you, but, but what I try to do here is, is take a look at what it means, what a trial, what a testimation means. Because I don't think God tests the same way the world tests. So, so here's what I mean by that. Um, taking that, that driving test, what this felt like to me was uh, me uh, having to uh, ingest information and regurgitate it to prove that I knew something or I could do something to somebody at a higher level than me so that I could pass on and do something I wanted to do, which is drive, right? And so here I am ingesting information that I cared very little about that ultimately did not change my performance. Don't let that scare you. I'm a good driver. <laughs> ultimately did not change my performance and my output, but rather I felt like I was being forced through something so that I could prove to somebody that I knew something. And so what I think we can do when we hear trial, when we hear test, because here's the biblical reality. God tests us. God leads us. He leads us into temptation. He's not the one that tempts, but he allows us to be led into temptation. God brings us through the desert. This is the reality. And I think, like, listen, God doesn't do this. Here's the difference, right? God doesn't test the same way the world tests. God doesn't test us because he needs us to prove that we know something. Right? It's like the same reason why God asks us questions. 
He's not trying to learn something from us that he doesn't know. He, that per, the point of an interaction of when Jesus asks somebody a question in the New Testament isn't because Jesus is like, oh, I don't know this. Let me see if this guy knows. That's not what he's doing. When Jesus asks a question, it's because he wants somebody else to learn something. Right. Yeah. And so in the same way, when God leads us into trials and tests, I don't think it's because he needs to learn something from us or us to prove that we know something. I believe what he's doing is trying to show us something. I believe God takes us into trials to reveal something about us that either we don't know because it's a blind spot or because uh, it's something that we have known but that we just kind of push aside. What he's trying to do is get us to confront something deep and real in us that either we don't know or don't want to know. Mm -hmm. In his mercy so that we can see what's really controlling us in our life. So that we can have a choice to worship him instead. That's what I think is going on here. God loves us in trials and temptations. And that's why I think James can put this forward so confidently to say, have counted pure joy when God is leading you into a place like this. Why? Because God is going to give us a chance to view something in us that maybe we don't like or maybe that we don't know that we don't like and it's enslaving us. We just don't know it. So in his mercy, he's giving us an opportunity to see that. And I think James would call that a joyous thing. Yes. It's like it's good to have something revealed in you yeah. that owns you, especially when you don't know that it owns you. Especially when you go to that thing for freedom. I'm getting ahead of myself. But especially when you go to that thing for freedom, it actually enslaves you instead. Yes, come on. Right. Um, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So we know that there is an actual tangible outcome of tests, trials, and temptations produces a perseverance in us. Now, I think the key thing here, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to bring it back to this, but the question is, perseverance in what? The question is, perseverance in what? What what kind of perseverance? But the idea here is that perseverance, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The trials, tests, deserts in our life are actually meant to mature us and grow us into a place where we don't lack anything. That's a big, big idea, but I think I can wrap it up at at the end of this. Um, Let's go ahead and move on into Exodus chapter 32. Because what we want to do is look at the Israelites as they wandered through the desert. Because here's what's going on with them. Um, They're they're in a place where where not so long ago, um, they actually witnessed God perform powerful miracles. You know, like the seven plagues, right? To to get them out of Egypt, out of captivity. He drew them out of Egypt in their enslavement. And, And so now they're in a place where they've seen him do this. And have worshipped him for it. And are now in the desert. And they come to Mount Sinai. And Moses spends like a bit of time on Mount Sinai. He hikes up. Israelites are down at the foot of it. He hikes up. He like hikes up. And God tells him, hey man, you got to hike back down. He's like, are you sure? Do I have to hike back down? Because I could just do this. He's like, yes, hike back down and tell him this. So he does. Hikes back down. Hikes back up. So Moses is like, you know what I'm saying? He's a hiker. Um, so he's in Mount Sinai, at the top of Mount Sinai, listening to God as God gives him the, the Ten Commandments. That gives him the, the rules of the Torah. He lays this all out for him. And, and during this process, while the Israelites are waiting for Moses to come down, this is where we pick up. All right, Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. It says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, 
they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. And as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Okay, so he spends some time up on the mountain, and they start freaking out. They're like, okay, where's, uh, where's Moses? Uh, he said he'd be here. Uh, we have this promise that God's going to lead us somewhere, but here we are in the desert at the foot of a mountain, like just kind of waiting. So they start freaking out, like, okay, we need to do something. Um, and so in verse 2, Aaron, uh, uh, Moses' brother and kind of, you know, mountain, he was the guy that would speak to Israel through Moses, right? He was kind of his right-hand guy. I answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed to him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Okay, so this this blows my mind. Now, I'd probably get it if I was there, but here, you know, it like blows my mind. I'm sure if I was in their position, I'd probably be the one, here's my gold, right? Here you go. (laughs) Right? But like looking at this, um, what's going on is Moses, the the person that they had physically been following, the person that had physically led them out of Egypt in the name of God, was actually the one leading them out of Egypt. They're like, where's this dude? He's gone. Aaron's like, I know what we'll do. All right, I have an idea. We'll get get all the gold. We'll make this calf that we can worship. And so he points it, okay, look, here's your, here's your God. This is it. This is what led you out. This is what saved you. This is what's going to get you through the wilderness. All the while, uh, Moses is on Mount Sinai talking to the real God that actually did the work. And so something that I actually think is kind of funny is Moses gets the tablets, walks down, sees the calf, he's like, ah, smashes them. He's like, ah, dang it, because he's got to go back up and get, and get new tablets, right? And so he gets a second pair. But, but anyway, right, what's going on here is it's like, man, what, what are you doing? That's not what led you out of Egypt. Mm, That's not what's going to lead you out of this desert. Mm -hmm. But they were so desperate. Like, listen, the issue here wasn't that they couldn't worship. That wasn't the issue. The issue was they were worshiping the wrong thing. Desperate for a thing to attribute what what they had seen to the creator. And everyone's like, man, here it is. So so here's the parallel, I think. When, When we're in a desert, Maybe I'll just start saying that when we're in a desert. I think what we do is is we begin to look for things that are going to help us. Mm. Right? So so though we have experienced, likely many of us here have experienced God powerfully in our life, when we're in a desert dry place, we'll begin to look for things to worship because we desire to worship. Now, Now here's what blows my mind about the calf. They were looking for a thing to, to give them security, to give them hope, and, but rather that calf actually took from them. Like it took their possessions to make this thing. So, so they were like going to a thing to get security and hope, but by doing that they were actually destroying their thing. It was just like just kind of this weird disconnect. Like why? Like what's going on? I think in the same way when we're kind of struggling and going through trials, man, we just start building these calves around us. Yes. Start pointing at things like, look, this, uh, this relationship will get me out of the desert. This, uh, this uh, job, this promotion will get me out of the desert. This thing is going to lead me out of this. This thing is going to help me feel comfortable and secure. And, and, and God's like, man, wait, I'm right I'm here. You're at the foot of my mountain. Let's keep reading. Daniel, let's keep reading. Verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, 
tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. They had a party. Verse 7, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you've brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. Right here. Like, listen, if you highlight or underline, get this right here. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They were so quick to run from God. And, and this is where I think, you know, it's so easy to look at, look at the Israelites. This is what I do when I read, right? It exposes my self-righteousness. But I look at the Israelites and it's crazy. What are you doing? Right? But the reality is I am so quick when I'm struggling and having a hard time to point to something other than God, say, that's what's going to make me feel better. Come on, Daniel. That, that's what's going to yep. help me feel safe. That's what's going to help me feel secure. Though in this time, though I've experienced God, like I've seen him do amazing things in my life, I'll be struggling and in this dark desert place and, and, and fool myself into thinking that this false, like this thing is, is going to save me. But really, it's just taking from me. It's taking what I have. It's taking what I value. It's enslaving me, though I'm going to it for freedom. Mm-hmm. And this is the paradox of sin. Yes. Because, like, I, I think maybe some of us heard this. Sin's based on a lie. You know, lust. Yeah, you get your get your sense of intimacy here. Lust. Yeah. I mean, you name it, right? Uh, greed. You know, I, I need to build up my money because I'm just I'm going to feel secure. I feel secure if I just have this. I just feel secure. Like everything's based off of a lie. Our sins are based off of a lie. We're so quickly to turn to them. So while my my inherent like my, what I want to do when I read this, it's like, man, Israelites are idiots. Right? What are you doing? But the reality is, I would be them. That would be me. I'd be the one like, yeah, take my, take, my, yes. take my rings, man. I need some. So what I want to do here is let's move into Luke. And let's look at the way Jesus responded in a very similar situation. Now, this is at the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry. This is before, this is after he's been baptized and, and the Holy Spirit's kind of descended upon him. And, and, but, but before he had, he's called any disciples, there's this place, there's this really interesting space in his, in his, in his life. Um, and I want us to read it, and I, and I want us to see what we can learn here. But this is in Luke chapter 4, and again, just starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them was hungry. Okay. Now, now i got to be careful here, because I could, like, preach a sermon on that. I just think it's so pregnant, and there's so much mm-hmm. there that you could dive into. Um, but but let me, I'll try not to, right? I'll try not to do that, but, but I do want to pull this out. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. All right, A. B, the Spirit led him into the desert. So, so, like, get this right here, right, right after the interaction um, where, where God, audibly, his voice audibly comes down from heaven and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He leads that very same son into 40 days in the wilderness of fasting and temptation. 
Like, like the, the, I think we forgot God leads us to these places. Yeah. It's so important to note that the Spirit led Jesus here. He led him into this desert. He led him into the temptation. He led him here. Yes. Now, I think to reveal something massive, I think to reveal something massive about sin and the, and the nature of temptation. Um, but in verse 3, it says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Okay, I do want to get to the other two temptations, but there's something massive going on here. Massive that we need to understand. Jesus, I mean, to understand this passage rightly, Jesus, remember it said he was hungry, okay? Um, another thing is the 40 days are over. So like Jesus is within his right of the fast to actually make and eat the bread. You can do it, you make the bread, you can eat it. But he says, no man shall not live on bread alone. Okay, this is where I think. I'm going to spend just a second here. I'll get to the other two. But we're, to me, and before I was a Christian, when I was an atheist, where Christianity began to mean something amazing to me is when I saw things like this that showed me Christianity is so much more of a real, down-to-earth, tangible walk through life than, what, than, the, than the brand of Christianity that I've been sold before. Like, like, here's what I, what I think some of us can go through our heads. We become a Christian, and man, we spend the rest of our life kind of like floating around, like, I am a holy angel, incapable of temptation, right? And the devil comes over, like, no, devil, not today. I am impervious to your wiles. Like, no, like, that's not like what Christianity is, and that's definitely not what it was for Jesus in this moment. Because you know what? He was hungry. And so when the devil said, you could make bread right now, do you know what Jesus thought in his mind? Yes, I could, and I want to. I'm hungry. Like, like, did you know that Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way mm -hmm. so that we would have an empathetic high priest? Yeah. So that no matter what we're feeling, no matter what desert that we're in, and we're like, man, I'm alone. And God's not here. He's not going to help me. He's not going to save me. Or, or man, I, I just, I need to go to this to sustain me, to fill me. Jesus is like, I know, I know, come here. I know. I'm going to hold you. I know. Because Jesus has been there. Yes. And you know, he's probably been in worse places. This is massive. That Jesus was tempted in every way. So that we don't have a distant, but rather an empathetic high priest. He can wrap his arms around us and say, I know. I know. Right? So we, we get to these places where we have temptations, tests, trials. And we, we have a choice how we're going to respond to them. And, and here's where I think. So I, I, I believe most of us get, okay, we're tested. We have temptations. I even think most of us get, God does it for our good. I think we get that. I think where we get stuck, where I get stuck, is in the desert. Mm -hmm. I think where, where I get stuck is, 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 okay, I'm just going to, you know, I don't believe God's going to get me out of this. I, I'm not going to run to God. I'm going to kind of sit here and isolate, and, and, and I'm stuck in the desert, and I'm just kind of there. I think we kind of have two choices here. We can allow trials, allow tests, deserts, temptations to isolate us, or we can allow them to give us a reason to dive further into God. Amen. 
And, and so the, the problem that happens is we start building these calves. We believe the answer is going to be farther away from God. And if I just kind of isolate here and I just kind of go to this thing, I'm going to find what I'm looking for. And I'm going to find the satisfaction I'm looking for. And I'm going to find the sustenance I'm looking for. And I'm going to find the, 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 the praise I'm looking for in this thing. And we start like pulling further away from God. All the while that thing is actually enslaving us rather than freeing us to feel the way that we're trying to feel. To go after what our heart really wants. Which is Jesus. Which is Christ. Sonship, daughtership to the cross. And so, before I get too much down that road, let me do verse uh, 5. Let's do the other two temptations, because they're important. Verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put your Lord God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until the opportune time. So, so uh, two more temptations here, right? Okay, the first one's the, the bread. Okay, you're hungry. Get something to eat. She's like, no. There's more important thing that God can sustain me more than these things. Than these things. Um, the second thing being, look, man, I'll get, I'll get you worship. I'll get you praise. Isn't that why you're here? Here to get worship? Here to get praise? Jesus says, no, it's not it. And I think the interesting thing is like Jesus was, he's going to be lifted up anyway. It's going to be known across the world anyway, right? At the end of the day, Revelation says, every tongue shall bow or every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Like Jesus is going to happen anyway. It's like, okay, why not do it now? It's like, no, that's not why I'm here. That's not what's going on here. That's not, there's better things than, than, than my personal glory that I'm going after here. And the third thing is, man, like God will save you if you jump. Why, what are you? Jesus says, no. God doesn't have to prove anything to me. Why? Because I think God has made himself, and this is me right here, I think God has made himself known in the scriptures through Jesus. He doesn't have to prove anything to us. He's made himself known. He's exposed. Like, this is, his exact representation is in Jesus. So these three big, massive temptations come his way, and, and I think Jesus responds in every way that the Israelites did not. When, when threatened with, are we going to, feed, or we're going to eat, or we're going to survive. Jesus says, look man, there's more important things than that. God's going to sustain me. When, when, when Israel's wondering, okay, are we going to have our promised land? Are we going to have our king? Are we going to have our kingdom? Let's build this calf so we have a king. Right? Jesus says there's more important things than seeking glory, seeking station. Third thing, right? There's more like, listen, Jesus, now, now here's what I think we need to learn here. Because like I said, I think where we can get stuck is in this desert. And I think we can learn from Jesus right here how we can begin moving out. Now, now, now don't hear this. It's like, okay, everybody, everybody in here, we do struggle with different things. And like I get, there's people in here, they're struggling with stuff. I can't even like, can't touch it. No idea about it. Hard, harder than anything I can imagine, okay? Harder than anything. Um, but, but I believe that, that Jesus is trying to show us something. There's a way out of the desert. Even if some of us will be in deserts longer than others, even if some of our deserts will be harder to get out of than others, there's a way out. There's a way out. 
Because um, the way he's using scriptures here is, it's not like, you know, I, you know, it's not like we just memorize the scriptures and boom. Right. We're good. Like, it's not like scriptures are like these spells that we just say, right? We just no, kind of win this duel, you know, against evil. It's, it's like, you know, I mean, you can like, memorize scriptures, but just because you memorize a bunch of scriptures on lust, I mean, doesn't mean that you're going to be free of your lust, right? Right. right. And you get guy, the guys, you, you're with me on that? Just because you memorize all these things doesn't mean all of a sudden it's just gone, poof, you set them, and it's gone. So I don't think that's why Jesus is, is uh, quoting scriptures here. I, I think what he's doing is something a whole lot deeper, it's that he's calling the devil to the reality of the way God designed life to be. This is why I think it's so important that we're rooted in the Bible. Yeah. So important that, we, that we're rooted in the yeah. truths and promises that God gives us because all along the way in life and our hardships, we're going to want to build these calves and the people are telling us, yes, this will get you out of your desert. And the whole time God's like, no, I'm over here. That's some calf, man. Like I can actually... Lead you. I can actually sustain you. I can actually lift you up at the right time. I can actually save you. Like, I can actually do these things. We'll constantly just build these calves. And so, you know, I think when we're in the desert, here's what it does. When we're in a hard place, we're in a trial, I really do believe it reveals what we really want to worship. You know, we're led to these places, and it just kind of stirs up in us when we have nothing else to rely on. We don't have the noise of life happening, but we're just in this deep, dark place. Now, here's what I, here's what I ask you to do, because we've been here. So, right, in that deep, dark place, like when you're feeling alone, when you're feeling it's not a way out, what do you run to? Because that's your calf that you've built in your life. What do you go to? Write that down. Get that. What is this? What are your, what are your calves? What lie are you believing to worship them? What lie are you believing about them to worship them? Because the Israelites, man, they just bought into this lie, this calf. I was like, look, this calf, it brought you out, right? The calf didn't bring them out. What, what lies are we buying into as we, we build these calves and altars in our life? What, what is it that we are desiring as we worship them? And how can we go to God for that thing? Because that's the key God is what we worship. God is who we trust. God is what we follow. We just don't always feel like we're there. We're in the desert sometimes. So I would encourage you to kind of write that down. And, and, and then in, in the same way here, the same way that Jesus kind of fights this, he, he grounds himself in the reality of life as God designed it. Right? It's not like he just threw out the scripture, boom. Magic incantation. No, he's like, he's reading this. He's like, no, no, devil. Like, there's true sustenance to be had. In God, it's better than that kind of sustenance. Yeah. Like, like there's true intimacy, security, and depth to be had in God that, that is not had in these other things. And, and so what I think a way can kind of get us out of these deserts, out of these dark places, man, we've got to know what calves we're building. We've got to know what lies we're believing. Right. And, I mean, and we've got to be honest about it. We've got to open about that. Because I think the temptation is to kind of isolate and in isolating, we actually drop further away from the one that can actually fill us up. Jesus, right? Yes. Answer Jesus. We draw away from the one that actually fills us up. It's, you know, smart answer usually is Jesus when you're in the church. Um, but it's Jesus that can fill us up. I think maybe a story to help relate. I, um, when I, my fifth year in college, it took me five years. My fifth year in college, now I was finishing up my degree. And um, the, pr the previous year, 
I had a, I had a ministry internship with the campus ministry in the college I was part of. So I was, for about a year and a half, I was, I was leading a ministry, very involved, very active in things. And, and prior to that year beginning, my, my evangelist, he took me, he sat me aside, he's like, hey, man, I think we're going to let you go. You know, he's like, I was an art major. He's like, you know, Daniel, I, you know, I've never put an art major into the ministry before. I, I didn't realize the toll it would take on you. Um, you know, it's like, you know, man, I wouldn't put like an electrical engineer into the ministry just because of the time you need to give your classes. And so all the while, he's giving me this conference, this talk, and it makes sense. Like, you know, it makes sense. I get it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't have time. Um, and he was like, yeah, are you, you okay, man? I was like, yeah, yeah, dude, I'm good, I'm good. And you know, I really felt good. But like the next day, I sunk into this deep place that I didn't foresee, I didn't think I would be in, but I was in this deep, dark place for like weeks. Because here's what I think happened. As I got fired from that position, fire is a harsh word, but as I got let go of that, from that position, which I think was the right move, by the way, um, it, it revealed in me how much security I got merely in the station of being a minister. Like it, it revealed in me how much validation I sought and desired from people around me that all of a sudden when that wasn't there, when people weren't coming to me with questions, when I wasn't going to meetings to make decisions, all of a sudden my life was empty. You know, I didn't realize it, but I built a calf. Mm -hmm. Come on, I built a calf in the ministry. It's my golden calf. It's worshiping. And ministry is going to fulfill me. Ministry is going to make me happy. Ministry is going to give me security. Here I was in this dark place. And you know what I did? I'll be honest. I isolated. Mm -hmm. A couple weeks, man. It was convenient. My, my grandparents were out of town, so I had a house in. And so I just held up in their house a couple weeks. You know? Started with lust. Started with sloth. Bitterness. Anger. Started justifying all the reasons why I was right and wrong. That, that time for me was really hard mm -hmm. and really challenged what I found security in. But you know what? It really revealed to me where my caps were. Come on, yeah. Daniel. Amen. And, and those really hard, I believe God in his mercy does this yes. so that we can see what we're really worshiping, so that we can have an opportunity to worship him. Yes. Now, now here's the good yeah. news, and here's where I think I want to end up. Um, I, you know, I got some practicals here. Think of what your caps are. Get people around you that know you. I would even ask a question, hey, you know what, I'm kind of, okay, first off, we need to be open for feeling like we're in a desert. We, we've got to understand it's okay to be tempted. Like it is okay, like, it's, did you, like in the Bible, did you know it's not a sin to be tempted? And it's actually a victory when you're tempted and you overcome it, like that's an amazing thing to celebrate. Um, we have to be honest when we're being tempted. Gotta be open when we're feeling like we're tempted, we're, we're in a trial, we're in a test, we're in a desert. We have to be open about that. And we have to surround ourselves with godly men and women who we think are going to be able to root us in the scriptures to help us out. So, so my practice would be gather, be open A. B, understand what your calves are. Help kind of understand, decipher, write down, journal, what are my calves. C, help have those godly men and women help root you in the reality of the scripture to show you what God is designed to be better than those calves. Pray, pray, pray. Get advice, get help, read the Bible, pray. Um, to close out, I think I want to say what the good news here is. The good news, again, is coming back to that James passage. Perseverance is possible, but perseverance in Christ. 
that we persevere in Christ. That like in these moments, the good news is, is that we do have an empathetic high priest. We do have somebody that, that, we, that Jesus is like, man, when we're feeling, he's like, I know, I get it. Come here. Come in. Draw in. The good news is we have a high priest that wants to draw us in, not push us away. Amen. Because we're struggling. Amen. But we've got to run into it. Because, you know, we just kind of, we can be struggling and we can just kind of go 180 in the opposite direction away from Jesus. I'm going to hold this in. I'm not going to be open about it. I'm going to go and I'm going to fill my life up with this. I'm going to make sure I'm here. I'm going to make sure I look happy when I come to church. I'm just going to fill my life and run like 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction. Yep. Come on, Daniel. We need to just walk right here in Christ. Right. So that's what I think we have the opportunity to do today is, is we go into communion and we be doing that now and we'll go ahead and say a prayer for that for us. But, but I would encourage you, man, just thank you. You, you, got, you got a minute. You know, we're going to pray. We're going to pass around. Ben's not here to do the things with the guitar, but, you know, we're still here yeah. for communion. You've got a minute here to think. What's in my life that, that's enslaving me? What am I seeking freedom in that's actually enslaving me? Am I being open about it? We've got, we got some time here to pray. We don't have a big Frisbee competition afterwards. We've got a big lunch. We have to get downstairs and do Like, we've got time to sit here and pray. And, and talk to each other even after this. And it's like, we've got time. It's a beautiful day outside. Go take a walk. Talk, pray. Anyway, let, let's, let's pray for you. God, I, I want to I say like a hard prayer right now. It's like hard for me to pray as I'm up here praying. Help me find trials is pure joy. That's a hard prayer for me to pray, God. But, but I pray that, that in our trials, in my trials, in our trials, that you can help us see what, what you're actually trying to reveal us, reveal to us in your mercy. You're trying to reveal to us that's in us so that we can run deeper into you for, for security, for love, for comfort, for fullness, for satisfaction. God, I, I pray that we can look at these examples of the Israelites, and that's such a multi-layered story, God, but, but you know what? But looking at that example right now as far as how they responded they built these calves. They, and, and, and if we're honest, that's us. That's what we do. That, that we can look at the example of Jesus. And, 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 and connect in a way, you know, because God, we forget He was also fully human. He was fully you, but also fully human. That was tempted in every way. He, he felt pain. He felt fear. He, and so that He could be empathetic to us. That's so why I pray that we can run into Your Son. We can run to the foot of your cross here today, right now. Right now that we can go to the foot of your cross. Like, Jesus, I, I'm struggling with this. I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm feeling like this is difficult. And then, God, that we're confident that Jesus is right there saying, I know. Come here. I know. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Let's run into your son. Let's pray. Let's consider. And, and ultimately, God, see the good news in this, that you have an empathetic high priest for us that, that wants us to run in. And it's not pushing us out. God, that we see that it is, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to be tempted. But it's not okay to stay there. And that you have a way out for us. You provided a way out for us on the cross. God, we love you. We're grateful for you. Um, please let us consider your grace and your provision today in Jesus on the cross. As we, as we eat the bread. As we, as we drink the cup. It's like the scriptures. You know, It's not like we do that. All of a sudden we're magically cleansed. It's just, it's just a reminder for what Jesus did for us on the cross. God, we don't deserve it. You love us despite us. But thank you so much. I pray we can run deeper into you today rather than further away. I love you. I pray your son's name. Amen. All right, thank you, guys. Amen. Amen.